da 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 I'm a devil in your heart. Da 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 da. Good morning, afternoon, evening. Welcome to the Royal Deluxe Podcast, a podcast about the Kansas City Royals that uploads some days, usually every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Monday was a little bit hectic for me because I got involved with my other podcast that I'm doing. And even today, I'm uploading a little bit late because, well, some of it's my fault. I was up a really long time yesterday, and that kind of bled into today. And then I also had to watch my niece for a little bit, which was a little unexpected, but it happens sometimes. So I apologize for a bit of a delay. I even thought about, you know, maybe I'll just wait to do an episode until Thursday, but because... Wednesday we have a day game, so the the Royals are going to play some baseball in just a couple hours, but you know what, I feel like it's still important to talk about it now, because yesterday was probably the busiest day of baseball that we've had since the lockout ended, of course. So there is quite a bit to talk about. Of course, it was the end of the trade deadline, or that's not how you say it, it was just the trade deadline. I don't think you can end a deadline. And, uh, yeah, lots of stuff happened across baseball. Lots of stuff happened with the Royals as well. But before I get into that, I do want to say one thing. Rest in peace, Vin Scully. Like, man, that guy, he, he's, a, he's an inspiration for me. I mean, obviously, someone who has watched baseball and enjoyed baseball, even just a little bit, it's impossible to not recognize the impact that Vin has had on this game and culture in general. Vin is just, he's an icon. I, you know, it's a shame that I've only been a fan of baseball like I am now for a few years. So I didn't really know who Vin was until just about he retired. And I really regret that because it's like, man, I have missed out on decades of this man's work. You know, listening to him, it's like listening to, he, he's like listening to an old grandpa or something. Like, he's so friendly and just has this very pleasant charm to him. Like, you're pulled into whatever he says, and he'll just talk about anything, and he'll weave whatever it is he's talking about into baseball so seamlessly. Like, he'll be, continue calling a game while just going on some anecdote or some story, some tale or whatever, and it's always so fascinating. You you just want to listen to whatever he, it is he's saying. He's just such a fantastic man and an absolutely wonderful person. Just a, a total baseball legend, an icon, an inspiration to me personally. And yeah, I mean, I'm not saddened by his by his uh, by his passing because I mean, he was 94. He lived a long, accomplished life. He got to see the Dodgers win a World Series in recent years. So, you know, he wasn't active in baseball anymore, but it's still sad to see that the world lost a very great man. So, yeah, I wanted to say that. And another thing I want to say before getting into today's topic is I want to make a correction to something I said the last time we talked, which I believe was on Friday. And I said there was like a a bit that I had at the end where I said, oh, man, Brady Singer is getting really good, but we're probably not going to have him much longer because we called him up so early in 2020. He's going to be hitting free agency maybe a year earlier. Well, it turns out that might not actually happen because of the time we 
sent him to AAA this year. Because he actually had some minor league time this year, it's actually likely that Brady Singer is going to be in Kansas City for an extra year. So I was thinking this was year three of Singer. It might actually be year two, which is a huge difference. And that kind of lifts a great weight off of my shoulders because, again, I'm just really scared that Brady Singer is going to be way too good for Kansas City and he's going to be leaving sooner than we would want him to because we would like to be competitive for the next several years and hopefully Brady Singer will be a part of that. But if he's going to be leaving after three years, it's like, oh man, how long is Kansas City going to be competitive during that time? So uh, yeah, but getting an extra year is really, really big for us. So that's nice. I did not realize that. I did not think of that, about that. And then, like, right when I uploaded that episode, that little piece of information just kind of started floating around Twitter. And I'm like, are, are you serious? <laughs> so, once again, me making horribly age statements. Name a more iconic duo. Anyway, yesterday, August 2nd, 2022, it was the trade deadline across MLB and... It is something that we as Royals fans have been greatly anticipating because the Royals have a lot of very movable pieces on their major league roster. So we were really hoping to see some trades made, some big trades made, again, some highly anticipated trades that we had. And, well, the Royals made some. They made some trades. We'll give them that. They made a couple. There was actually one that happened the day before yesterday, and it was a very, very unexpected one. So I guess I'll talk about that one first. The Royals traded Emmanuel Rivera to the Arizona Diamondbacks for Luke Weaver. Yeah, the Royals traded Eman. Very... Interesting. Suddenly it makes sense that they optioned him to AAA because when they did that, that was a a, a huge head scratcher because E-Man has been hitting pretty well lately. So yeah, when they sent him down, everyone was like, what? Huh? And now that they traded him, everyone is still kind of like, what? Huh? Because what the Royals got in return is a 28, almost 29 year old pitcher who has a 7.71 ERA this season. It's actually year seven of his MLB career. He's been with the Cardinals for a couple years. Lately with the Diamondbacks of the last few years, they've tried to use him as a starter. Hasn't really gone anywhere with that. Uh, He has a 4.72 ERA in about 200 innings. Although, like, that that doesn't sound too bad, but he's pitched 65 innings a year, basically. And he had one really good year in 2019, where in 12 starts he had a 2.94 ERA. So, looked like there was some promise there, but that has not happened whatsoever. So, again, 7.71 ERA this season. He's only made one start, only thrown 16 innings, and he's going to be a free agent after next year. So, that's what the Royals got. Out of Emmanuel Rivera. Mm, Yeah. I don't know 
what to really say in regards to like how this guy throws. Actually, there is one thing I should say. His FIP, his field independent pitching, is actually a 2.69, and he does get a lot of strikeouts. His strikeouts are actually way up from previous years, and his walks are... I don't want to say they're down, but he's th- he's got he has three he has less than three per nine, so he seems due for some positive regression. And there is one thing about, I guess, the Royals that makes me a little more comfortable with this trade. And you're not going to believe this, and it might not even be something you want to hear, but believe it or not. If there's anything that Cal Eldred can actually kind of take credit for with his time in the Royals organization, so since 2018, the Royals have been able to, I guess, rebuild, redevelop, call it what you will, aging, washed out major league pitchers. They've actually been able to convert, I guess, failed or failing pitchers and turn them into usable and in some cases, tradable pieces. So think about, you know, since 2018, we've had, I don't think we've had anyone in 2018, but we had uh, Homer Bailey. We had Jake Diekman, and we had Trevor Rosenthal. All three of those guys were traded. I would say Greg Holland should count because he had a very, very good 2020. Wasn't traded, and he wasn't as good in 2021. He was like, decent he was usable again not tradable but i'll give him credit for the 2020 season as short as it was i think if he pitched that well and it was a full season that would have been that would have been a tradable season for him i mean i don't know how much of this you can credit to cal eldred specifically but i i will say that the royals have had some success getting some value out of these previously washed out pitchers. And I and I know that I am conveniently leaving out the guys that were reclamation projects that failed, like your Matt Harvey, Brad Boxberger, uh Willie Peralta, although he did have one good season with us. Uh who else? You know, Blaine Boyer. Uh just so many guys, right? I, I get it. But also think how many of those guys are good nowadays. You know, like Blaine Boyer retired completely. Uh, Matt Harvey could never bounce back. I think Willie Peralta was, like, good for a bit, but that hasn't really turned into anything. You know, like, I don't think that the the, 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 the projects the Royals have failed on have gone on to, you know, be successful elsewhere. And the times that they have been successful, again, they've been able to become tradable pieces, or at the very least, usable pieces. Again, I know Greg Holland, you know, we kind of held on to him for an extra year and it didn't work out the second time. But at the very least, we're able to get these short bursts of success that become usable for the Royals. And I think that's what they're banking on here. They're getting a starting pitcher that they see as not doing so well, and they're like, hey, we think we can turn this guy into someone good. And if we do, then we're going to have him for another year and a half. Actually, Taylor Clark is another example of that. And guess what? Taylor Clark also came from the Diamondbacks organization. So that's my positive takeaway with this trade. I think the Royals are confident that they can reclaim this guy and turn him into something valuable, which they have done in the past. 
I'm not saying they have a 100% success rate, and I'm also not saying that it was worth giving up Emmanuel Rivera for that, but again, I can kind of see what they're seeing, I think. So that's all I can say about that. But at the trade deadline, we were hoping for, you know, we, we, we weren't hoping that we would be losing some of those young, much more controllable players. We were hoping we would be offloading the players that are less controllable, only have a year or two left on their contracts. Whit Merrifield, Michael A. Taylor, Cam Gallagher, or and even if uh, they did have more than a year left, you know, some, someone that was still super valuable, we would hope that you know, the Royals could get back some prospects for them. Scott Barlow, Josh Stamont, and man, waiting for something to happen was like the most miserable period of the Royals this year. Actually, probably not because there have been a lot of really miserable periods of Royals baseball this year, but I was sitting there just refreshing Twitter constantly, hoping something would happen, and I was really thinking like, wow, they're going to do it again. The Royals are going to sit on the deadline, look at the market that's happening around them, and just say no for the second year in a row. And I had like this whole rant written out that I was going to be posting on Twitter. Like I was ready for it. And then at the buzzer, Whit Merrifield gets traded. Whit Merrifield gets traded and Guess where he gets traded to? Just take a wild guess. Did you guess the team that he wasn't allowed to play against previously? Because you would be absolutely right. Whit Merrifield has been traded to the Toronto Blue Jays. Now, big question is Whit Merrifield going to be allowed to play in Toronto? Is he going to get vaccinated, kind of like he might have implied? Well, no one has said. The Blue Jays general manager hasn't said. He's just been like, we'll leave it up to him. I'm almost hoping that he says no. <laughs> I Look, if the, if the Blue Jays trade for wit, and then Wit's like, sorry, I'm still not going to get vaccinated. That would just be so freaking funny. That would be absolutely insane. They would be like, like I almost hope Wit does that to make them look so stupid. That would just be the most insane trade ever. Because if that happens, no matter what, Royals win. I would say the Royals win no matter what, because at this point, we don't need Wit. And a lot of people don't even want Wit around. So trading him now, getting a couple prospects for him now, it's fine. It works. So before I talk about who we got for Wit, I do want to say that I've had some pretty conflicting feelings about Wit because I really like Wit, or at least I did like Wit for a while. He was basically the lone bright spot on some awful Royals teams in the late 2010s. 
And I was one of those people who was actually really against trading him just because, selfishly, I didn't want him to go. I just liked watching Wit. I I liked watching Wit play for the Royals, and I wanted that to last as long as it possible. And, you know, I was really hoping that Wit would be part of the next playoff core for the Royals. I was hoping he would be that veteran leader that would you know, come up big for us in the postseason or, you know, have some kind of meaningful contribution there. And I think Witt also wanted that to happen. I think he really wanted that to happen in Kansas City because this dude just bent over backwards to stay in Kansas City. I said all the way at the beginning of the season, like the first podcast episode I dropped or whatever it was, I'm like, I don't don't know why Witt is staying here. It was when... We it was when the Royals announced like the the weird contract restructuring that they did this season, where they're going to give him more money this year but less money next year, and it's technically like a small extension. And then there's like an eighteen million dollar mutual option afterwards. I don't know. And I'm and I'm like, man, like Wit is so committed and determined to staying in Kansas City, but I don't understand why. You know, he was kind of screwed out of playing in 2015 and even in 2017 missed the opening day roster to Mondesi. And finally, the moment he gets to actually play and contribute, everyone's gone and the team is awful. And yet he's taken on less money than he's worth, not only to stay in Kansas City, but also to say when our payroll is going to be a lot lighter, he's not going to take up much space. Like, he he willingly gave himself, he willingly allowed the Royals to give him a smaller contract so that they would have more spending money in the future, in 2021 and 2022. And, yeah, Probably because the Royals have been saying, like, in 2021, that's when, you know, we're going to lose all of these big contracts and we're going to be able to reload and we're going to be a lot more competitive. And they've been probably been telling Wit, like, oh, man, Wit Merrifield, you're going to be the big star of the next championship Royals team or whatever. And it never happened. You know, no wonder why he seems kind of checked out this season, because... He's been here for five years and it's amounted to nothing. It's led to nothing. And I can't say that I don't feel sorry for him. I really do. Like, I kind of feel sorry for how Wit has been treated in KC. He's been ignored for so long and just never got what he really wanted. Maybe the whole anti-vax thing was his way of flipping the middle finger on the front office, which in turn kind of went to the fans. And as a result, the fans have turned on him, which I don't blame anyone for doing that. I just think it's very sad. It's very unfortunate. Whit Merrifield is a really great baseball player, and I, again, really, really enjoyed his time in Kansas City. It's just unfortunate that this is the way it had to end. But I hope that he goes and plays some meaningful baseball elsewhere, because he really deserves that. So, as for what Whit Merrifield has turned into with the Royals, they got two prospects back. One of them is already in the Major Leagues. His name is Max Castillo. 
He is a starting pitcher, hopefully, a, or at least a potential starting pitcher. He has, you know, made some starts in the majors. Uh, he's only come up this year, so this is his rookie season. 20.2 innings, 9 games, 2 starts, but to a 3.05 ERA. And, yeah, there is expectation and hope that this guy will be a starting pitcher in the major leagues. Maybe not a great one but still a usable one. And you know what? I'm just happy with that in general. Like, I'm really glad the Royals got a major league ready starting pitcher for Whit Merrifield. I mean, just in general, that's great. So I'm already pretty uh, excited for that. This um, might be a silly thing to say because I'm not good at evaluating prospects at all, but there's something about him that kind of reminds me of like Brady Singer because he throws the fastball a lot, and he throws a changeup a lot, which, and I know I just said Brady Singer, hang on, and he has a slider that isn't, like, great. Basically, it's like if you took Brady Singer and then swapped his slider with his changeup. Like, get someone who actually has a good changeup but not a good slider, and throws a changeup and fastball a lot, and then the slider only, like, 10% of the time. That's basically this guy. He throws the fastball about 50% of the time, changeup 40%, slider 10% of the time, basically. And I say Brady Singer because he doesn't get a lot of swinging strikes. Actually, Brady Singer does. Um, but he does get a lot of called strikes. Not, like, an amazing amount. He's, he's like, a, a very, very light version of Brady Singer. That's kind of what I'm getting from this dude. He, his stuff isn't great and doesn't have like any plus pitches or anything, but he does command the zone pretty decently. So yeah, you can, you, we, we would like to hope that this guy can be a major league piece, whether that's in the rotation or the bullpen. I would like to hope it's in the rotation. I would like to hope that this guy can throw more than a couple innings for us. I think that would be great. So yeah, actually really good. Return for, again, Whit Merrifield, whose value has just been declining every single year. We got a potential starting pitcher out of him, so I'm happy with that. But that's not the only guy we got. We also got a player named Samad Taylor. So guess what, guys? We we traded someone named Taylor. Isn't, isn't that what we've been hoping for? Yay! Yeah. Okay. Yeah, this guy, he is a 24-year-old, I guess, utility player. He mostly plays second base and left field, although the Blue Jays have tried him a little bit at shortstop and center field and third base. And he doesn't hit, like, exceptionally well, although there is some potential there, particularly some really strong power potential. Last year in 2021 at AA, this guy slugged 503. Like, he absolutely mashed last season and although it's 426 this season it's a bit down but it's still pretty solid like there is there is some pop to this guy's bat and he runs well so that kind of explains part of the reason why they would move him into the outfield a bit um yeah uh, it, it looks like there are some concerns about his swings particularly his swing decisions even though he has taken a walk a pretty fair amount Throughout his career, he also strikes out quite a bit. However, his strikeouts are down considerably. He struck out almost 30% of the time last year in AA. This year, 22% of the time. 
in AAA. So, and those walks are basically the same, about 10% or a little more every single season. So, yeah, maybe this could be a nice, fun little project for Drew Saylor and the hitting coaches. And I, again, I like that he's almost major league ready. He's already in the, in AAA. He's 23 years old. So yeah, maybe we can see him pretty soon. I think this is a solid return for Whit Merrifield. I mean, we kind of needed to get rid of Whit Merrifield no matter what, but the fact that we got one major league ready pitcher and another made almost major league ready partic- probably a bench player probably not like a great player but still like a, a usable piece yeah i'll take it honestly actually a pretty good return good job royals now i know it's not as much as it's not as much as they would have gotten a couple of years ago when they should have traded him but for how things are right now i'm okay with it but it seemed like that was the only thing the Royals were going to do. They were just going to move Whit Merrifield, and then that'd be it. And that's really disappointing. But then, a little while after the deadline happened, we got word of another trade. Cam Gallagher was traded to the Padres. That was certainly the biggest trade that the Padres made yesterday. Can't think of anyone else that they got that would be more important than Cam Gallagher. But the Royals got a corner outfielder named Brent Rooker. And, hmm, you know, it's kind of interesting. This guy, I like saying that. Yeah, this guy, yeah, he's kind of interesting. He's he's 27. Okay, so he's already old. He's way past prospect status. He was, Baseball America had him in a, as a, the 92nd ranked prospect going into the 2018 season, but... That was a long time ago, and clearly that hasn't happened. I guess he came from the Twins. Oh, yeah, he was a Twins first-round pick in the 2017 draft. How interesting. But anyway, obviously hasn't really happened. Nothing has really happened with this guy. Again, he's 27, so that's kind of yucky. However, this dude is a... He's kind of mashing. He has 19 home runs this season. He hits for average. He walks about 14% of the time. So, I like that. But, again, he's 27. And also, there's a lot of swing and miss. He strikes out about 30% of the time. So, yeah. I don't know if the Royals really got anyone in particular. But, I mean, they traded Cam Gallagher for him. Cam Gallagher is someone that I've been saying they should trade for a long time. I kind of, like, I I think we've been led to assume that there would be some market interest for Cam Gallagher, but I guess not if this is, like, all they could really get. Uh, But it is what it is. Like, we don't need Cam Gallagher anymore. He's only going to, I think this might be his free agent, this this might be his walk year. If not, then it'd be next year. Doesn't matter anyway, because we already we're already dealing with three catchers: MJ Melendez, actually four catchers: Salvi, MJ. Uh, if you want to add Freddie for me, that's kind of the the fourth one, and then also Sebastian Rivero. So yeah, we don't need any more catchers. Thank you for your service, Cam Gallagher. I've always liked him. I feel like he's a very underappreciated Royal. Not that he's done anything like super significant, but he's a solid defensive catcher. Actually, a great defensive catcher. And sometimes has had some streaks where he's been an all-right hitter. I feel like he is a very competent catcher. So, 
yeah, I appreciate him, and yeah, the Royals got something out of him, so that's cool. And, uh, that's it. That's all the Royals did. They traded Benintendi, they traded Merrifield, and they traded Gallagher, and they traded Emmanuel Rivera, even though they kind of didn't need to. But they didn't trade Brad Keller, they didn't trade Michael A. Taylor, they didn't trade Scott Barlow, and uh, they're just going to kind of sit on these guys. They're going to be like, hey, well, we're going to have them next year. Next year, gang, it's going to happen. Royals are going to be better with, you know, Michael A. Taylor and Hunter Dozier or whoever. I don't know, dude. And that's really disappointing. It is, once again, another really disappointing deadline year for the Royals. Because, I mean, you just look at how the team is performing. We're in last place, bro. Like, why aren't you trading everyone that you can? I've always said, look at what the Twins did last year. Like, the Twins were supposed to be a playoff team last year. They won the division in 2020, right? Or maybe it was a wild card. I don't know, whatever. And they won the division in 2019. That one was definitely true. They were expected to to compete in 2021. Why wouldn't they? And then they got off to a bad start, dealt with a lot of injuries, dealt with just a lot of unfortunate things. And they're like, oh, well, it's not happening this year. And then they offloaded some guys that could have been useful for them in the future, like Jose Barrios. No, they were like, we don't need these guys right now. We're going to get some prospects back. And yeah, why wouldn't they? Because, oh, they're going to be better next year. Look, you can be better next year while also offloading what you don't necessarily need right now like that like that this is the thing with the royals this is what's so frustrating with the royals i'm not saying the royals can't improve next year but like why wouldn't you improve your chances of it as much as possible i i, I don't i don't know like the royals seem to think if they trade scott barlow like the the team is somehow going to be even worse and like yeah sure it will be worse this year why does that matter? It's like they it's like they they're insistent on fielding what they have right now for the foreseeable future. Like the Royals think that they're going to improve by 15 to 30 games next season with Michael A Taylor and Hunter Dozier on the roster with Brad Keller in the rotation. Like why? Why do you think that's going to happen? You haven't been competitive with Michael. Well, Michael A. Taylor can't really count because he's only been here a, a little while. But Brad Keller and Hunter Dozier, like they've only, they've been around since 2018. Like you're fielding a team that collectively has a 400 winning percentage, and you're still like, oh, next year, next year we're gonna be a, a more competitive team or whatever. Like this is exactly what they did last year. Last year they should have traded Carlos Santana. They should have traded, well, they probably couldn't trade Brad Keller, but they should have traded Whit Merrifield. They should have just traded whoever they could, right? And they didn't because they're like, well, we're going to have these guys next year. So next year we'll be better. And then this year, it's not better. It's actually worse, but they're still doing it. They're doing the exact same thing. 
And I don't know, dude. Like, I don't know why I expected anything to be different because nothing is ever different with the Royals. But, like, it it's just so frustrating, dude. Like, I, I just thought maybe at some point eventually they would change. Like, eventually I thought the Royals would realize that they're making some mistakes and would change their course of action because they're like, Oh, holding on to these guys for so long. Again, like, think back to Whit Merrifield. Like, they've held on to Whit Merrifield for so long because they're like, we're going to be a playoff team and Whit Merrifield is going to be on it. And then, freaking four years later, you're still not there. <laughs> like, what is it going to take for anybody in this front office to see that it's just not happening it's not gonna happen with these guys you know who it can happen with bobby witt jr nick prado brady singer these are the guys that we really believe in and these are the guys you should be building around that's not what they're doing the royals are building around hunter dozier and michael a taylor and brad keller and previously witt merrifield and it doesn't make any sense. Why would you stick behind those guys and not the players that clearly have way more upside to them? It's so strange, dude. Like, there is no one else that does this. There is no other team in this sport that falls to last place and then thinks, Now nah, we're good. We're good. We got this. We know what we're doing. I mean, I guess maybe the Rockies are kind of like that because the Rockies didn't trade anybody at the deadline this year, but <sighs> whatever. They're the Rockies. I mean, at least the Rockies can just throw money at a few guys and be like, hey, look, we're trying. Look, we just, we just, we just signed Chris Bryant to a six year deal. Ooh. Oh, look at us. Wow. So whatever. Royals don't have that luxury. They can't just sign contracts to random guys. I mean, they can for like Hunter Dozier, $25 million. Yippee. But you look around what happened at the deadline this season, and, and you really just have to wonder, how do the Royals have such a valuable reliever like Scott Barlow and just decide not to do anything with him? Again, because they think it'll, he'll make the, better, the team better next year? Bro. The Milwaukee Brewers, a team that is leading their division, just traded their all-star closer because they felt like the prospects they could get could make them better in the future. I understand that this move is pretty extreme and maybe not very popular, but I at least understand where the Brewers are coming from because Josh Hader only had another year left, and the Brewers are a small market team. They're going to come up on free agency for guys like Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff that I would say are going to command very large deals in free agency that the Brewers are probably not going to be able to afford. So might as well trade while you can and reinforce what you have right now because the Brewers will have a great, great farm system. I think they're going to have a pretty harsh drop-off in a couple years, and they're doing whatever they can to avoid that. 
I, again, I understand maybe not the most popular decision, but I understand it at the very least. And just objectively speaking, I think the Brewers got a haul for Josh Hader. They absolutely got a haul out of him. And why wouldn't the Royals try doing the same thing for their fantastic reliever? The Baltimore Orioles, a team that is above 500 in the toughest division in baseball, just traded their all-star closer after he's had one good season. Jorge Lopez is having one good season, the one good season of his career, and the Orioles are like, trade him. Now. And they got four prospects out of him. One good season of this dude turns into four prospects. The Royals have certainly had a lot more success with Scott Barlow, and I'm pretty sure he has as much control left as Jorge Lopez did. But, nope. Don't move him. The Royals are only 22 games below 500. They can turn it around sooner than you think. Oh, it's just maddening, dude. It's really disappointing to see this happen. I don't know, dude. It it just makes me really sad. I feel like you know, it's it's not even that I want to see the players that I like play for other teams because I love Scott Barlow. I freaking love this guy. All right, I would love if he got to play for the next Royals playoff team. I'm just thinking it might not happen. Okay, that's really it. I just feel like the Royals aren't doing the best that they can to improve the team like they should. The team is not succeeding. It's not successful. And they're not putting in the, the effort to change that. They're not going outside of their comfort zone. That's the thing. The Royals, or at least the management of the Royals, has always stayed within their comfort zone. They're like, we're just not going to trade anybody unless we get the exact deal that we want. Like, whatever that is clearly way too much other so other teams are just like okay whatever you do you and then go find something else to do like a lot of people have been suspecting that the phillies would be a great fit for michael a taylor okay well he would have been great but the phillies the phillies probably called the royals asking for mat and the royals again were probably just like we want uh, whatever and the phillies were like okay no so you know what they did? They got Brandon Marsh. Works for them. You know who gets to lose out? Uh, the Royals. Because they don't get anything. They just sit by themselves with nothing. And it happens every single time. Again, you think it would change at some point, but I don't know. Ironically, the most exciting trade was when they made the, the weird draft pick trade, where they traded the 35th pick for Drew Waters. Which is great, because Drew Waters has been absolutely fantastic in AAA so far for, for the Storm Chasers. I'm really liking it so far. But that's been the best thing 
the Royals have done this season. Otherwise, they have, once again, only basically made the trades that they absolutely needed to. They needed to trade Benintendi because he's a free agent this season. They needed to trade Cam Gallagher because there's no more room for him. And even Whit Merrifield, they needed to trade Whit just because the fan base hated him at this point. So, yeah. Once again, the Royals are not going outside of their comfort zone. They're just going to stick to what they have because they think it's going to turn around next year or something with what they have now. Ugh. Oh, Carlos Santana as well. They also traded Carlos Santana once again because, well, I guess they didn't technically need to. But yeah, they, they did trade him because he's a free agent this season and we have two of, the, two of our top prospects are first basemen. So, yeah. But nope, the Royals are only going to do it if they absolutely desperately need to. Which is just a shame, because I feel like they absolutely desperately need to, but they don't seem to agree. They're fine with the way things are, I guess. Now, maybe this could be made up for in the near future. I have said that Brad Keller might not have much of a market right now, because he hasn't had a particularly great season. Thus far, the season, sorry. But he could be an off-season trade candidate. Maybe Michael A. Taylor could be the same thing. Maybe he'll just play out the full season, and then the Royals can flip him in the winter. I think that could work. That could make up for it some. But still, I think it's a little... I just, I'm just disappointed with how things have gone lately. But we'll see. Whatever We'll see whatever happens in winter. We're just kind of stuck with what we have right now, so... Yeah, but whatever happens, we'll talk about it when we get there. That's all I got for today. Uh, guess we're going to watch the Royals take on the White Sox, our favorite team. The good old salt of the earth, 500 baseball playing Chicago White Sox. And their manager, who I can relate to a lot. I also fall asleep during Royals games at times. Anyway... Thank you very much for listening to the Royal Deluxe Podcast. I would love to hear from you at Royal Deluxe Pod on Twitter or Royal Deluxe Podcast at gmail.com. Let me know what you think of, I don't know, the trade deadline, what we got. Should the Royals have traded everybody else? How how would you grade this trade deadline? Personally, I would say it was like a, a C minus. Yeah. I mean it wasn't abysmal. They at least did some things, but they should have done a lot more. Oh, well. And, uh, yeah. Thank you very much for making this podcast a part of your day. I hope you're having a good one. I'm Lux, and go Royals. Oh, is something wrong with my microphone?